Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily, hour number two. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Max Power producing for us. Joining us now on the program, Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul, fresh off of Shocker Madness. Kevin, how are you this morning? Doing well this morning. How are you guys doing? Hey, my Texas Rangers are on to the ALCS. There is no bad news. There's no bad news for me today. Uh, it's, it's how long a good have you been a Rangers day. fan? My entire life. I It is the team. Like, it's hard now, and, and I think you probably understand this too in your line of work. Like, I don't have a lot of allegiances that, you know, are the same as when I was a kid. The Rangers are that team for me. Like, that's the team that I care the most about, invest the most in, and uh, still root for in a business where it's hard to root for things other than great stories and success for the people that you follow. Uh, We're rooting for success for the Shockers this year. You guys have Shocker Madness now in the books. So give us a bird's eye view. How did things go? I know you guys beefed that up this year. What would you think of the turnout and, you know, the festivities and all of it and how how it ended up going? Well, first off, it was an awesome weekend. We put uh, Brad Pittman, you guys know Brad, he oversees our operations facilities events, and we put him in charge of the weather, and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was beautiful <laughs> weather all done. weekend. Um, we, you know, we've been working on that weekend for about a year. Um, I won't bore you with the details, but you guys know when we walked in, we're meeting with everybody on the staff, we're doing deep program audits. Well, one of the themes that came out of that first week back in summer of 22 was we needed a weekend that we could focus priority recruiting efforts on that would compete and feel like a 
uh, a unique home football game type experience that they're going to get at other places. And so we said, okay, well, let's start to detail that out. What's that look like? Well, the end result was this, this past weekend, we had volleyball uh, Friday night. We had baseball and softball Saturday afternoon. We did an athletic department tailgate that probably had, I'm going to guess four or 500 folks in the throws area, just South of Coke arena. Um, we had volleyball games set up, tents, tables, Adirondack chairs, BHC barbecue came and barbecued it. We had about 30 or 40 recruits, unofficial and official recruits, in the weekend. Um, so we got a chance to mix and mingle with uh, families. Um, they saw our student-athletes interacting with each other. Uh, it was a really cool event there. And then that fed directly into Shocker Madness, where we introduced all of our teams, all 15 of our teams and 250 student-athletes, we did the uh, the exhibitions, uh, 12-minute running clock for, for women's and men's basketball, and then we transitioned right into the Tech 9 concert, followed up with volleyball on Sunday. So it was a jam-packed weekend, and there was a lot of great feedback um, from student-athletes, from student-athletes' parents that were here, from alumni that, that were a part of it, and even from our recruit families just talking about how that was a really cool family feel. and That's obviously what we were shooting for. Kevin, this was the first time that fans got to see Paul Mills and Terry Nooner on the sidelines coaching, albeit in a scrimmage, but still had a chance to see what those guys are, are like on the sidelines and, and what they do. Uh, what was that like for you to watch them for the first time do their thing in Charles Koch Arena? Well, it was good, but it, keep in mind, I go to a bunch of practices too, so I have an opportunity to see it in a, maybe a little bit more structured environment as opposed to the Shocker Madness that was a little bit more of an exhibition uh, environment. And so I get a little bit more excited for the structured component than I do the unstructured. But what was really cool about the night is we were a little over double the attendance that we had last year, and obviously we want to continue to grow that. I think in our heyday we had four or 5,000 folks at Shocker Madness. And so we'll continue to do that. We'll tinker in the future with three-point contests, maybe dunk contests. I've been a part of some where you get the men's and women's staff that compete against each other in some sort of a, a competition like knockout or some version of that. But uh, it's really a night for the fans. It's a night. It's a celebratory night for the, for the players because they've been working at it pretty hard. And so they get an opportunity to, quote, unquote, compete in front of fans. And, and it gives them kind of an injection to, to know what they're uh, what they're playing for and who they're playing for. So I thought all in all, it was a really great night. Let's let's talk about parlaying that then into a media day. And look, we love this for both programs. We'll start with the men picked eighth in a new team that is, you know, subtracted Houston and Cincinnati and UCF. I mean, if you're looking for bulletin board material, which we know is valuable, right? You can put that thing right front and center if you're Paul Mills, right, for this team to go out and, and bust those expectations. That's a coach's poll. Yeah, I think um, it won't be the primary focus, but I certainly think it's a data point um, for for both of our programs. The women were picked 11th out of 14th, and the men for the second consecutive year, 8th out of 14th. And I think in talking to our head coach and some of our student athletes, they are all highly motivated to outperform those expectations. And so, um, again, I, I think it's probably not something that you focus on um, entirely or exclusively, uh, but certainly it's in the back of your mind and among many other things um, provides some motivation for us. How hard is it, Kevin, especially on the men's side, but really both men's and women's, how difficult is it, do you think, to gauge these 
preseason coaches pools. And I know that like really at the end of the day, they, they don't really matter. Right. But especially in a year like this, where you're losing teams like Houston and Cincinnati uh, in the conference, but you're gaining Florida Atlantic who had the Cinderella run last year in the tournament and other programs like UAB to really gauge how that conference is going to pan out. Yeah. I listen, I, I think you can, you can look at it a few different ways. Um, the, the coaches obviously have a really good feel for their teams. Um, and, and I think they have a pretty good sense for what's going on in the league because they're recruiting against it and they're watching it and, and those elements. But they're they're not, in my mind, as attuned to the other teams as obviously they are to theirs. If you think about the new members in our league, of the eight teams that were playing in the final components of the three different tournaments, the CBI, the NIT, and the NCAA tournament. We have four of those eight teams are coming into our league in Florida, Atlantic, North Texas, UAB, and Charlotte. So you have some strength that's certainly coming into the league, and we're all looking forward to that. So I, I think it will be a tight race, uh, tight standings, and, and I think it will be very entertaining for uh, fans, um, I, I do think it's very difficult to predict those things in preseason polls. I've never really seen a analysis, but I think it'd be curious to go back and look at like the last five to ten years of preseason polls, and then what the variance was with the actual uh, postseason standing. So I think you'll see there's a lot of variance there, just because um, it's a projection based on the information that you have, and and it's it would be unreasonable to expect any one particular head coach to know everything about every team right. in the league. So yeah, we'll I, see how it goes, and um, it's it's really more for entertainment to kind of set up the season. People always get angry at those. I don't get angry at them. I I love them because I, I I'm. You know, there's a lot of people that don't think they should exist when we're talking about top 25s and all that. I don't agree with that. It gives us something to try to at least gauge things on at the beginning of the year. But, boy, now more than ever, like, they really are – it, it is guesswork. And it's almost like you can admit it now, too, because all the players have changed. But when, when we look at the men's side of the AAC, I do think it's interesting – just about everybody would agree with Florida Atlantic at the top and probably Memphis too. But then if you look at like the amount, you know, the, the sort of number tallying system to that they use to, to come up with the order of things, it's kind of a jumbled mess there, three through eight or nine. And that does feel a little bit like it could be reality, right? Like we, after you get through the returners and all the strength of Florida Atlantic and, you know, the pedigree as far as, you know, some of the athletes coming into Memphis, it is kind of a crapshoot in that next tier, it did feel like that was probably, there's a decent chance that could be accurate. Yeah. And I agree with you. There's so many variables that go into the season that we'll talk about in the weeks and months ahead that you just can't predict with these polls, right? Whether you might have a, you might have a starting point guard that's out for two weeks. Um, You know, you just, you just don't know what that looks like. And so again, I think it's entertainment. I do think it's going to be a tight race. I, I think, uh, we have teams that on any given night can beat any other team in the league if they're playing well. And and certainly we, we've got a, a really entertaining home schedule. Um, you guys may have saw this week that um, not only we continue to sell season tickets, I, I, I do want to share some good news. We're at about 100 lower bowl seats from being sold out um, season ticket-wise. And so uh, we actually made a move as directors of athletics yesterday. It's, a, it's an interesting move where – 
you know, visiting teams get a certain allotment of tickets when they go on the road, and the, the allotment stays the same. But what they're doing is shifting the location. And so the 40 that were required directly behind the bench has been reduced to 20. So we have 20 seats directly behind the visiting team bench that we're, we're trying to sell here between now and, and October 29th from a season ticket standpoint. We just put mini plans on sale. We've got three different mini plans that we think uh, two, two, three games, and a, a, excuse me, a three game, a four game, and then a weekend package that we think uh, will help with uh, getting new folks in the building. Obviously, we've made investments in terms of the, the, the metal detectors to get people in a whole lot quicker. Um, the, the, the rails, the handrails in the upper deck, um, both of those have been very well received. So, um, again, we're pushing to try and fill this building and understand that it's going to be a combination of not only the product that we put on the floor, but the game production, the fan experience, the safety, the efficiency of the whole thing. And so uh, we're working towards that effort. Kevin, going back to Shocker Madness really quick, on the women's side, of course, you and I, and we've, we've talked about it on this program before, uh, the importance of recruiting locally and, you know, knowing some of the the players that are on Terry Nooner's team, like Treasure Job and El Ancio and others that are, you know, Wichita uh, products, getting a chance to see them uh, on the court, you know, to start off their their time with Wichita State under Terry Nooner and Antoine Scales and all of that in Shocker Madness how cool is that to be able to, you know, know that these these players are from Wichita, they're Wichita raised and, and now playing for Terry Nooner's team? Well, I think it's a it's a it's a really good point, and I think it's a connection with the Wichita fan base that <clears throat> maybe hasn't existed to this extent in the past. I mean, you look at last year's roster; if we had 15 uh, young women on our roster, I think 11 came from different countries. Um, and so there is a unique connection um, when you talk about that. And you have to look at staff, right? When we made the decision um, to bring on uh, Terry, who's from Raytown, Missouri, he's close. He played at Kansas. He's got uh, roots and history in this area. And then obviously you got Nick Bradford, who played with him at Kansas, uh, that's from Fayetteville, Arkansas, who's, who's in this area regionally. And then you've got Antoine Scales, who was – um, you know, at Wichita South for six years and went to uh, won four state championships, went to six, um, and then has flipped two JUCO programs. So you start to think about uh, trying to build a fence around some talent within the city of Wichita and being able to bring through the portal some of those young women that played in Wichita in high school from other four-year institutions that, that are outside of Wichita. And so obviously Brooke Costley, um, another assistant coach, was coached by Terry. So we have a really tight staff. And what I will tell you with that staff is um, our players are very, very comfortable. They're challenged, but they're very comfortable with that staff, knowing that they have the best interest of our players at heart. They're going to push them really hard. Uh, but Treasure Job is a perfect example. Treasure um, valued staying close to home. So she went to Emporia State. She's a Division II uh, All-American. Uh, we recruit her this summer. Uh, we're recruiting against uh, Iowa, uh, Purdue. Oregon and she decides to come here and, and obviously we don't take that lightly she's a special player um, and so her and DJ up top are going to be great and um, anyway we got a lot of good things going on and I just think that flair question opens up a pretty broad conversation about the composition of your staff but then also the ability for your fans to support some young women from Wichita. Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director, joining us here on Sports Daily a part of bi-weekly visits we always appreciate it and we appreciate your perspective on the changing college landscape there were there have been numerous stories out there's a a hearing i think it is tomorrow to perhaps bring up some proposals to changing the nil now 
what I take from it, and and maybe I'm not taking the biggest enough points away, is that there is a push to to allow universities to be more directly involved in the NIL process. Can you explain what's being proposed here and where you stand on those proposals? Yeah, there's a lot of things going on in that NIL space right now from the D1 Council who has basically created uh, three different subcommittees, one that is looking at the transparency of agreements, um, one that is looking at uh, the transfer component and how it's tied in with NIL. And so there's a lot of attention being paid to that uh, to help provide and inform and educate on what could be upcoming federal legislation. So to what you're referring to, the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee uh, announced that it's going to hold an NIL hearing on October 17th. Um, So our president, NCAA President Charlie Baker, Big Ten Commissioner uh, Tony uh, Petiti, uh, they're scheduled to be there as well. And the title of that time, that agenda is Name, Image, and Likeness in the Future of College Sports. So they're going to look at the different federal NIL legislative proposals that are out there. And there's about three or four of them out there, guys. And what I would tell you is I've read through every single one of them. I think there are great components to each one. And then there are, I think there are some components that you scratch your head at with each one. What seems to be a coalescing themes are uh, transparency, right? That everybody understands the NIL deals that are going on because there's a lot of misinformation that's being put out publicly that's not actually happening. And it's hurting our student athletes, but it's being done from a recruiting standpoint. We have bad actors in the space that are telling kids whatever it takes to get them to campus and then under delivering on those promises when they get to campus. So we've got to make sure that number one, we address that. Number two, there has to be a standardized agreement for NIL. And that's got to be nationwide that protects our young people, that clearly outlines what they're going to receive uh, from that institution when they go there. That piece is really important. So um, and then the reporting pieces, I think, are really important. And then how does that connect into because we all know that it's being uh, used as a recruiting inducement. But how does that connect to recruiting? What are permissible ways to talk about Um, what you're going to receive from an NIL perspective before you go to the institution, because it'd be disingenuous for us to say that the student athletes are not evaluating that before they make their institutional decisions. And so uh, we've got to figure those, those three key components out. Kevin, I want to uh, uh, shift gears here quickly to men's golf. Uh, The Judd Easterling era continues with another win for the Shockers earlier this week in Newton at Sand Creek Station. Men's golf go up there for the uh, second annual Greer Jones Shocker Invitational. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing from that squad and uh, the fact that they were able to get another victory in the second time that this tournament's been held. Well, I tell you what, Sand Creek Station, I've not been out there, guys. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to play or not, but it's um, it's a great track. Um, it's yeah, a really, really cool. good track. I thought they did a, a really nice job with it. They were motivated to to have us there. I would tell you that um, they've hosted a lot of USGA events out there, and so they're motivated. They want us to come back. So um, that piece was really, really good. The weather was great. Um, you know, I had a chance to walk slash ride for about half the day on Monday with the guys. They played 36 on Monday and then uh, 18 yesterday. So you get into – the last nine holes yesterday, and we had actually lost the lead by a stroke or two. Um, we got it back by the time we had gotten to 16, 17, and then held that lead. I think we won by three or four strokes, but it was a compact 
tight field. You had Oklahoma State was there, Seton Hall was there, Abilene Christian, uh, Missouri State, some some of the Missouri Valley Conference foes. Um, but it was great to see our guys compete. Um, you know, um, Zach uh, Sokolowski uh, did a nice job. Uh, it's good to walk with those guys. I, I saw every single one of them. If I start naming them, I'm going to leave them out. But Connor Geist is a young guy in our program that did really well. Aston Castillo played phenomenally well. Um, Ty Adkins struggled a little bit, but he's he's uh, he is capable and he will be a significant contributor on this club. So, um, again, I, I just Judd's done a remarkable job. He's got a new assistant coach in Cole Elmore, um, who has got a lot of energy, and our guys really respond to that well. So it's always great to win um, championships um, and win those titles because it gives you confidence moving into the next one. So uh, really good. And that's back-to-back guys. They won the the same event last year and uh, it will continue to get better. What's interesting about this event is that beginning next year, I think Judd and I were talking about this yesterday. um, There's for the individual winner, there's going to be an exemption in the corn Ferry event that's, that's held over at Crestview. And so that, that will promote a whole lot of uh, other teams and motivate a whole lot of other teams to be a part of the deal. So I would, I would envision this field will continuously get better um, over the years because of that exemption. That'll be helpful. All right, Kevin, we will have, boy, we'll have a ton more to talk about in a couple of weeks when we get into this, whether it comes to men's and women's basketball, the sports that are currently participating, maybe we'll have some further clarity on some of this NIL stuff, which uh, you can go find, you know, some of those proposals, I think that would be very interesting for people, but uh, we'll be back. Not enough time in the day, of course, to do it again in a couple of weeks. We appreciate the time and we'll talk again soon. Guys, thanks so much for having us on the show. Have a great day and go Shockers. There goes Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director. We will come back. You can go back and listen to any of that if you missed it, Shocker fans, for free on the Odyssey app or at kfhradio.com. The IHOP hotline will open back up here uh, when we return. Uh, Brought to you by IHOP, where guests can enjoy the new pumpkin spice pancake combo. Uh, So you can get your hands on that. We'll come back. We'll... uh, Let's dig further in. We just had sort of an appetizer there on Chiefs Broncos coming up tomorrow. We'll do that next on Sports Daily. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Dude, you gotta hear this. Go ahead. I think I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor, with you. It is a Thursday. It is a Wednesday. We're getting ready for a Thursday that involves the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and we are... Very interested in this game, obviously, here. Uh, you'll have the Chiefs Radio Network over on KNSS. You can go back and listen to our interview yesterday with Dan Israel, the executive producer there. You'll have the national call here on KFH. Look, they're 10.5-point favorites. Um, I don't like that. I, I can't. We, we talked about that just for a second, Tommy, from a betting perspective yesterday. I'm not going to be able to get on board with that. And the Chiefs could easily cover that. I'm, it's not I, like, And they did cover last week, and, you know, but— on a Thursday, Denver still has too many guys for me to like. I don't understand, and I get their defense is bad, but with Russell Wilson playing pretty well, like that's a. I mean, I don't know if I want to call it a good offense, but it but it kind of is a good offense, right? Like Jerry Judy is is coming along. Cortland Sutton's there. They got some tight ends. I think Javante Williams will play. It looks like he's been practicing in full. Uh, they've got Russ. They got Marvin Mims, the rookie. Like, they have plenty to concern you defensively. Denver's problem has been, you know, management and game, and their defense has just been dreadful. So I don't know about 10.5 points. I, I think I'm going to bang the drum again, just like I did last week of, of an over here. And I don't typically love Chiefs overs, um, but I will love – I'll take this one at 47. You don't usually get them that low. But I'll take I'll take the Chiefs over probably is the way I bet this game. But again, and we sort of hit on this earlier, this needs to be a game where the Chiefs offense finds success. Yeah, I think the only way that this ends up being a battle for Kansas City is if offensively they struggle like we've seen a couple of different times throughout the course of this season. If it's if it becomes a high scoring game, and I think that there is the potential that it could be. Um, I think that if the Chiefs score, gosh, I don't know, 21 points or more, 28 points, somewhere around there, then they should win by that 10.5-point clip, I think. Now, if the Kansas City offense kind of falters a little bit, sputters throughout the game, they can't get consistent drives going, 
and you're looking at maybe a little bit more of a low scoring affair, that's about the only point that I think that the Chiefs might have a little bit of trouble trouble covering that 10 and a half number. But, you know, considering that the Denver offense hasn't really been the problem. You know, last year we talked basically every single week about how bad Russell Wilson was. That hasn't been the case this season no. for the Broncos. No. He's been significantly improved, better than than what last year was. It's been the Denver defense that has really let them down game in and game out. So I really think that's the only scenario where we could see a situation where the Chiefs don't cover that number. I don't like it only because of the the trouble that Kansas City typically has in covering the spread. That's about the only reason why historically, like I, I'm probably not going to bet that well, and that that spread. But I, I don't think they'll have a whole lot of trouble ever in the that. NFL. Our games double digits. I mean, right. it's just a bit. You're just getting into a big now, and we'll have a chance to talk to Chelsea Messenger about that tomorrow. Uh, so we'll get some, you know, some trends and things. So we're just not trying to make that. But but it feels like anyway, like team teams don't cover ten and a half very often. Uh, look at what happened to the Bills. Not that they were that big of a favorite, but like the teams that we feel like are dominant. Right now, the only team that that I think feels like they're in that consistent mode is San Francisco. I don't. I don't know that anybody else across the league is there yet. So I'm not comfortable anytime there's a double digit, you know, spread on things. Just so many weird things can happen in the NFL. Travis Kelsey is going to play. Look, I saw the same video everybody else did of him jogging around yesterday. The fact that he came back and played in the game and then seeing that, I didn't think he looked limited at all. I thought he looked just fine. And, you know, is he 100% during the game? I think it's fair to say he may not be 100% during the game. I, I, I think that's fair. But I also think it's fair to say it shouldn't be a factor as long as he's out there. If he's doing just what he did in the second half immediately after it happened, then they're good. You know, they'll be able to use Kelsey in the ways they need to use him because at some point, somebody's got to step up. And now, and I don't just like, I'm not putting all the blame on the receivers. Mahomes has to step up. Like that connection needs to happen. Or let me ask you this way, Tommy. And we said, like, if this isn't a game where they, you know, sort of snap out of it, we're going to be concerned. Is this an offense that would be good enough to win a Super Bowl? Like, to put enough good games together in the postseason that you'd feel comfortable about? I, I do think that anytime you have 15, you have a chance. And that's not just a cliche. It's the truth. But we've seen Kelsey hurt two times now this year. He is getting older. It, it can't be any more... Well, we've always got Kelsey out there if you're the Chiefs. Like, somebody else has to step up, or I'm not sure. Like, would you feel comfortable right now in a game that the Chiefs would have to play against the 49ers or even no. a rematch against the Eagles? No. No, not right now. Now, uh, what we've been banking on, and I, I heard Dan Israel mention this yesterday, is that, and we've said it before too, well, the longer that these guys play together, the more they're going to gel and come together. And that may very well be the case, but there's yeah, no guarantee I think that on that. Right. There's no guarantee on that, though, right? And, and so what if that doesn't happen? I think that's a legitimate concern at this point. Um, I think that we've seen flashes of it, but nothing consistent up to this point. And we've got to. And if we don't, I mean, honestly, like if this is another outing tomorrow night where the Chiefs often struggles and the wide receivers. Did you know, by the way, I saw this stat yesterday. 
that the Chiefs are tied for the league lead in dropped passes. It's them and the Jags. They've dropped 11 passes through the first five games of the season. 11. That's tied for the most in the NFL. That, that's something that's not going away. Rishi Rice, for as good as he is and the talent that he's got on the upside, he drops passes. Kadarius Toney, we know what he did in week number one. He dropped passes that were critical. So this is something that if it doesn't start to gel, then I think that you really got to take a serious look before the trade deadline. Can you improve that room? Because, again, at this point right now, no, I wouldn't feel confident offensively with Kansas City to go up against a team like the 49ers. I think the Chiefs defense can have a really great battle with a team like the Niners and what they can do offensively. But, no, at this point, I'm not super convinced uh, about what you know offensively this team can do on a consistent basis week in and week out to win a championship. The other thing that I've been thinking about a lot as it pertains to this particular game tomorrow night. It's, it is extremely important on a variety of levels for the Chiefs to come out strong early. Like the best case scenario is if they can build an early lead and kind of put the game on ice early and put it away at home. So then they can set down Travis Kelsey if they need to in the second yeah. half. You know, they can allow some of these guys to get a little bit healthier. You know, they can lean on maybe the running game to put the game on ice. That's going to be in my mind, the best scenario for the Chiefs. I think for a variety of reasons, they've got to jump out to an early lead. Well, look, you, I mean, I think that you would like to see it so they can run the ball, yeah. right? And the Chiefs historically have been good at that. They haven't been as good at it this year. But, you know, Denver, yeah, Denver keeping this thing close is not something anybody wants if you're if you're a Chiefs fan. Like, that's that allows Denver to make a couple of big plays when with an offense that has some playmakers. I, I, I you know, Denver, I, I guess like when I look at this and Denver's record, right. And point differential and all those things are among the league's worst. But to me, Tommy, Denver doesn't feel like one of the worst teams in football to me because their offense has been pretty good and Russell Wilson's playing better. I mean, their point differential right now is only better than New England in the AFC, the Giants in the NFC, and that's it. So if you're looking at point differential, they're the third worst team in football. Their record is, you know, clearly not good at one and four. Uh, only Carolina now is without a win. But when we're talking about, like, the Patriots right now or – uh, the Giants or Carolina, like they don't feel like they're with that group to me. They feel more like they're with the, you know, Minnesota. Um, they may, I don't know where I would put them with Chicago, but Minnesota certainly, right, as a team that is just not doing what it needs to do but could be much better. And at any point that could happen for them. That's kind of where Denver feels to me. I may be setting expectations too high for them, and they're not really expectations. I'm just trying to get a real grasp of how good or bad they are. The defense could be that bad. I mean, it really could be. But is it going to stay that bad? I don't know. At some point, I feel like Denver is going to heat up a little bit and win some games this season. The only issue that I have outside of we know how bad the defense is with Denver, they've been banged up in the running back room. I mean, Javante Williams yep. has been 
off and on injured this season. He was out for, you know, the season last year and has kind of been off and on so far through the first handful of games this year. And then really outside of Javante Williams, who do they have? Samaje Pirine is their backup running well, back. Well, Jaleel McLaughlin's really, looked pretty good. I will sure, give him it, credit. Right. So, I mean, at that point, like you're, you're kind of trusting uh, your backups because you can't really count on Javante Williams to be healthy week in and week out. Um, we, we know that they have talented receivers and Jerry Judy and, and others on that team for sure. So <clears throat> I, I don't think that it's really been, I mean, we know it's not really been an offensive issue. It's been game management and it's been their defense. That's really, that's where the Achilles heel for the Broncos has been to your point, And I think it's a fair question. At what point will it ever happen where that defense starts to figure it out? If they do, then of course they've got an opportunity to, be a more dangerous team in the conference. I just don't see that happening anytime soon. Like we're talking about an incompetent defense, right? When you give up the number of points that you did to the Chicago bears a couple of weeks ago, we're not talking about just a defense that's struggling. We're talking about a defense that has completely lost its way. And I don't see any signs of them turning that around. But the way that the bears beat them were through big plays to DJ Moore. The chiefs don't have a big play player like that. Right. Like, did the Chiefs really have somebody that's going to take it over the top on them? I mean, I'd love to see it. It's what the Chiefs desperately need. It was supposed to be Marquez Valdez Scantling. It is not. So are, do they have somebody right now in that offense? And isn't that really the like the crux of it for the Chiefs? Do they have an explosive player on this offense? I mean, I, I suppose you could make that case for Isaiah Pacheco to some degree. But the explosive player was supposed to be Kadarius Tony. That's clearly not happened. MBS yeah. is supposed to be the over-the-top guy. That's clearly not happening. This matriculating offense is fine. It worked last year. They didn't really have an explosive player last year either. But that's where, again, like there's little things there. Like, yeah, we saw Denver really struggle. DJ Moore torched them. Do the Chiefs have that right now on the roster? I'm not sure they do. So, and I'm not saying the Chiefs can't torch them. They can do it in a different way. But I don't think it's going to happen in that way. Because I don't think the Chiefs, I mean, we just haven't seen that this year out of any of these players. You know, I go back to defensively with what Steve Spagnola has done with Kansas City. And I know that we've given them their flowers basically week in and week out of what they, you know, they've been able to do. But I was going back with each matchup that the Chiefs have played this season. And I've looked at the top receivers for the teams that they've played. And they've played some really high profile receivers early on in this season. Amon Ross St. Brown. To start the year with the Lions, Calvin Ridley with the Jags, DJ Moore when they played the Bears. Uh, you know, so we've seen really high profile wide receivers that the Chiefs have faced off against early on in this season. Garrett Wilson for the Jets is another one. Um, of course, Justin Jefferson a week ago. And what Steve Spagnola's defense has done in limiting the top receivers for the teams that they played, even if you enter in a matchup in primetime tomorrow night against uh, an offense that honestly has looked halfway decent this season with Russell Wilson. I feel very confident in the, the secondary's chances in limiting Jerry Judy. And that's going to come down to, I think, a big that's a big matchup in this game because we've seen what the Chiefs secondary has done in limiting number one receivers early on in this season. They did it a week ago, limiting Justin Jefferson to three catches for 28 yards. So I think that this is something that it's, it's become a trend where we've seen 
not a ton of production from the one, the number one receiver for the teams that the Chiefs have played. I would expect that can, to continue tomorrow night. Yeah, I don't even really know who the who the Broncos' number one is, and I guess it's Cortland Sutton, right, at this point, but Jerry Judy's sitting there. There's a contingent of Broncos fans that would like for Denver to trade Jerry Judy. Uh, I would make that call immediately if I were the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they, they won't. I don't think Denver's in the business of that. Denver's not in the business of making things harder for Russell Wilson. I, I would say that. Um, but I think he's a dangerous player for sure. Javante Williams, if he plays, is explosive. And so is this Jaleel McLaughlin. Look, that guy was like, I, I guess, you know, at Youngstown State or something, the all-time leading college football rusher. That doesn't happen by accident. He's undersized, but he kind of seems like he's a shot-out-of-the-cannon kind of guy. Um, is Bolton going to play? I don't think we know that yet. I'd, I'd have to go back know. and check the notes. We, they, I'd like to see Bolton play. The last thing you want to see is Denver be able to run the ball. Um but again, the Chiefs have been good there. I, I don't. I think the Chiefs' defense will be okay in this game. I do think both teams will be able to score some points. Let's let's make. We got to make the decision here, Tommy. We're not we're not not saying we're betting this or anything like that. We'll get in more of that tomorrow with Chelsea Messenger. Ten and a half. If you had to make the call today, one side of that or the other, which side are you taking? Like if this was one of our Friday picks. <laughs> I'm actually really glad it's not one of our Friday picks. Me too. Um, you know, I think at this point I'm comfortable taking the Chiefs to cover. I don't love it. Yeah. I'm not I think if I had to it. go one way or the other, I yeah, would too. I'm not going to bet it, but if I had to pick one way or the other, I think I would take the Chiefs to cover. Yeah, I would too. Um, I would too. It's we'll we'll see. I I'm curious to get Chelsea's take on this tomorrow because I really don't know other than other than I do like the over. I I'll, I'll that's the way I'll go, but We'll have more on it tomorrow. It is a – I'm not – like, you know how I had, like, sort of like a creeping feeling against, you know, the Vikings and the Jets a little bit? I don't have that with this one. I even had it a little bit with the Bears because I was afraid of Justin Fields' legs. I don't have some, like, creeping fear of this game from the Chiefs' perspective. I just don't know how close it's going to be. I, I can't find the scenario where I think the Broncos would win this game, but – you know, maybe they can hang tight. I don't know. 869-1240, what do you think, Chiefs fans? You can get in touch with us on the IHOP hotline. Baseball. Tommy, sigh of relief on my end. Your Braves got some work to do here. Um, look, it's just a 1-1 series. So no matter what happens, I think in a 1-1 series, like somebody's always going to go up 2-1, right? And it is not out of the question to then go win two games, especially when you're as good as the Braves. I just wonder, like, how desperate does it feel for you today because Aaron Nola is going to be a clear pitching advantage in this game it's yeah there's a, a lot of desperation I think really? for the Braves in this game because they're playing in Philadelphia the Phillies win game three then they only need one more right and like they're going to be playing in front of their home fans again for game four so yeah there, there clearly is uh, some desperation I think and really I mean this is kind of karma a little bit because you were stressing out at the end of the regular season about what was going to happen with the Rangers. Right, and I yeah. was sitting back and relaxing and the Braves had this big lead and it's no big deal. And here we are, your Rangers are already in the ALCS and, and I'm stressing out in the divisional series for the Braves. Bryce Elder is going to start game three for the Braves. It looks like today he's a good pitcher, but he's really struggled in the second half. He had a, a 5-11 ERA in the second half and allowed 13 runs over 12 innings in his last three starts. So not good for Bryce Elder. Um, I think he's going to have a quick hook today. 
So if it gets out of control very early, then I, I think that the Braves are not going to hesitate to yank him out of the game. So Aaron Nola was very good in his game against the Marlins. But in the regular season, he had a 446 ERA, a 115 whip. Two times in September, he gave up four runs or more. Uh, three times, he gave up three runs or more. None of his September starts were scoreless. Aaron Nola has been a great pitcher and, and clearly has something in the tank, just like a seven-inning three-hitter he threw against the Marlins, but the Braves are not the Marlins. And so to me, I, I think the Braves have an opportunity. Just go hit, and let's see. The last time he pitched against Atlanta, he went six innings, gave up two runs, and I would imagine he's pitched against them more than once. Uh, he had a six-inning start with no runs, he had a six-inning start where he allowed five runs. This is just against the Braves this year. So, you know, they know him. It's not the end. He, you know, it's not the worst scenario for the Braves. And I actually think the pressure's on the Phillies here uh, because they can't throw Zach Wheeler then again in the series, can they? I don't think they'd have time to get – I mean, it would Maybe be a game really five. short Maybe a game rest. five. Because didn't he pitch Tuesday? Yeah. No, he uh, – Monday. Monday, he Monday. pitched Monday. So you could yeah, probably so have him for a, game five. Yeah, okay. So they're, they've got to get it to – yeah, maybe then the Braves do need to get it done before they get to Wheeler again. I mean, that would be the yeah. goal, I think, if you're the Braves, is get this series done before you, before the, it's the a tall task are able to use it. In Philadelphia, that's a really tall task. And Aaron Nola today, um, you know, I think really ultimately what the Braves want to do, they've got to get this series back to Spencer Strider. Uh, and, and I would imagine, I think he'd probably be available for game four, I would think. Um, I mean, because, and that, that's really been the issue this entire time is what, what does that rotation look like? And you've got Strider in game one, Max Fried in game two. And then really after that, what are you going to do in game three? And that's why this decision has been so difficult, I think, for Atlanta, because uh, Kyle Wright is hurt. Charlie Morton is hurt. Uh, and so that's really where I'm like the, the conversation was, do you pitch a guy that's more experienced than Bryce Elder, but he struggled down the stretch? Or do you go to the rookie in a hostile environment in A.J. Smith Shaver? <laughs> Clearly, they're Elder. going with Bryce Elder today. Yeah, you go with Bryce Elder. And so like it brings back to the original, like, is there a problem with this format and the buys? My answer would be no. I think the you know, the Braves problem has been they don't have. Starting they don't pitching. Have the, they right don't now. have starting pitching. Right. So it's not, it's not it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered, right, if they played. Now maybe their offense would be a little more in a groove. I guess that's a factor, but I just I don't buy that needing to change the format. Uh a couple other thoughts on the other games. I think the Twins have a pretty good shot. They're favored in the game tonight. And I think I think the Dodgers and Diamondbacks are gonna score a lot of runs. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that's gonna be high scoring. Uh, I can't imagine I the Diamondbacks can sweep the series. I mean, maybe they can, but I just can't, I have a hard time thinking that, that the Dodgers can just, you know, roll over and, and let the Diamondbacks sweep them. And that's not, that's hard. That's the thing. Like, I, I hate – sometimes we get a little too hyperbolic in the playoffs. Like, that's not the Dodgers rolling over. That's the Diamondbacks just, like, they've caught fire offensively. Teams get swept and lose two and three games in a row in the regular season all the time. Great teams it happens to. Except the Orioles, by the way. Did you see and hear what they were talking about yesterday with the Orioles not being swept? For yep. like going like going back toward the end of two seasons ago was the last time they were swept. That is crazy. That's crazy. how weird things weird things happen in the postseason like that. I mean, the, the Orioles getting swept like that. The, yeah. I mentioned it yesterday. The Braves got shut out at home in Game One by the Phillies 
for the first time all season. They had not been shut out at home in any game. Weird things happen in the postseason all the I time. I love it now more that it's survive in advance, but it's it's stressful. It, baseball, postseason baseball, when you have a rooting interest, is very stressful. Good luck to your Braves tonight. Uh, Thank good you. luck to the Twins because we all hate the Astros. And, hey, they got a tie to the Windsor, so we'll root for them there, and then we'll see what happens in the late game. All right, we'll be back. Tell you what's on tap next on Sports Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 